Jessica. We just do not believe. Believe that there's a Ken. <sighs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Boys Gone Wild. Um, we were sort of talking before because we were kind of worried that um, the last couple of episodes we just got too real. There's been a lot of real shit in the news, so the Boys Gone Wild media conglomerates had to respond appropriately. And a lot, a lot of people were saying, "Yo, guys, can you be a bit more fake?" Because hey, this where, real where's the cock jokes? Yeah, exactly. Where's the where's the poo jokes? You um, so yeah, we we felt that we've decided to do an, an episode um, purely dedicated, purely about to it. nothing, nothing. Kind of the point. Yeah, and I think it's as much art reflecting society in that there's nothing to talk about anyway. Yeah. Other than the big news stories, mm. but I think we're all a bit fed up with the big big news stories and big uh, big farmer, big farmer, and all the big oil, all big oil, upset big oil. with big oil, big, big media, cheese. big media, the big cheeses who run big, big farmer. Well, no, no, big cheese is in. Pilgrim's oh, Choice. Oh, you mean the you mean the Cathedral who, 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 Who's big cheese in this? Pilgrim's country? Choice Cathedral City. Are those the kind of big players? Then, well, uh, do you know any smaller subdi- subsidiaries who are being struggling because of the power of big cheese? Yeah, like how of often gravi- how gravitational pull of Pilgrim's Choice? <laughs> <laughs> how often have you heard of Cornwall's finest matured cheddar? I mean, I never. You haven't because of the it, it, the but, grapple hold that big cheese has over the community, the all, industry. Mm. And the community. and But also over lockdown, you know, we always talk about how everyone's losing out. Not Big Cheese. Big Cheese have made huge gains. <laughs> big <It's> Cheese. <laughs> if there's anyone maybe behind the pandemic, it's Zoom and Big Cheese. Yeah. But then I guess one thing, um, I guess there's one thing on in the plus side for Big Cheese is that mm. if you're the boss of Big Cheese, you're the Big Cheese at Big you're Cheese. You're the Big Cheese of Big Cheese. Yeah. Well, you're the Big you're the big Cheese of Big Cheese but do you think within the, Big Cheese. Do you think that Big Cheese three within... Cheese. Do you think Big Cheese... If, they, if he called his company Big Cheese and yeah. it was... But it'd have to be successful or else they wouldn't be a Big Cheese. He wouldn't be a Big Cheese. Yeah. And so, I don't... Okay, all right. Let's, okay, well, let's okay. start again. So, let's get so, there. Let's so get there. if Pilgrim's Choice, Cathedral City, these are obviously... The big cheese The big cheese The big cheese of the big cheese. Yeah. The big cheese is of big cheese. If we were starting a company with with uh, global ambitions to become a big a big mm. part of big cheese uh, we would if we called it big cheese and were the bosses of it then yeah. we would be the big cheese of big, big cheese. cheese no the big che- so we'd be the big cheeses at big cheese <laughs> in big cheese <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> what <laughs> what <laughs> which is an idea I'm, I've immediately gravitated towards what would our what the the British appetite for cheese? Yeah, do you think it's quite embarrassing? It's quite embarrassing. I really feel that we should be moving past cheddar, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I am a cheese connoisseur. No, let's say lover. I meant to let's say, say lover. Slut. Let's, let's say, say slut. slut. Let's, let's say, say slut. slut. Let's be connoisseur. Fair. No, let's uh, say slut. I am a cheese slut. <laughs> Um, the connoisseur has a small amount of each little thing. You yeah. just fucking pile in Cathedral City. Yeah. I don't think eating a family pack of cheddar every week defines a connoisseur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I am known and I do experiment. You know, we've yeah. got our... What, what's everyone's opinion on Gouda? Now, I like Gouda. I'm fed up of asking these questions and no one directly responding to me in the comments. <laughs> so if happened. we get, let's say, 500 views towards the end of the yeah. week... If there aren't 500 comments of what your opinions are on Gouda, <laughs> yeah. you can just unsubscribe. Because frankly, I'm getting fed up of it. Yeah. But, so, Gouda. Yeah. What do, what do we think about Edam? Well, I, I, didn't, I thought we had, were covering Gouda. You can't, <laughs> you can't say, what do you think about Gouda? What do, what do we, we think, think about, about Edam? Edam? Well, what do we think about Gouda first? You know when 
in if you're in like a pompous talk about something they kind of they ask many questions before they get into the topic to pose the questions to the audience yeah that's what i'm doing here Big cheese. Big cheese. Big what, cheese. What do we think? So you're, are you just trying to do like a focus group? Do you think that, because <laughs> right, Gouda and Edam are two very mild cheeses. Yeah. Two very easy on the palate. Yeah. Could, do you think that's what Big Cheese, our company could do is go in on that market with a slight, you know, focusing on those two mild cheeses to expand the British Well, just like, taste. like what as the first battle man trying to get his over cheddar. Our sample cheese, yeah. our statement cheese. Because cheddar's a good cheese, but cheddar's fucked England up it, Absolutely. in the cheese thing. It's if too good and we're too unadventurous. If there was anything that was mostly to blame for Brexit and the First World it's War. Cheddar. It's, it's cheddar. It's cheddar. Like everyone's calling people gammon. It's like, how many people actually have gammon ham? It's exactly like, it's cheddar. Right. <laughs> it's cheddar. Exactly. And it's like, where do you think British smugness comes from? And the idea that we're we're okay. better than everywhere else. British nationalism comes from. Nationalism is what you're almost talking about. It, well, sure. Yeah. It's more the, the term. But it's more slightly more apt. Yeah. I, oh my it was God. still apt. Yeah. I, but it, this it, was slightly more apt. You are right, and it I was will, a bit more. And apt. if there's one thing I will be corrected on <laughs> is aptness. Yeah. It was. And, bit, it was more apt. Yeah. It, more aptly put, it would be British <laughs> exceptionalism, and that is our our mild obsession. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a pun. Mm -hmm. You don't get excited enough for puns. No, I, d I do. Yeah, yeah, no, I really no, don't. You don't. You I don't. don't. Yeah, I no. don't. No, it's a fair enough. Um, is our mild, nay, mature obsession with, yeah, with cheddar cheese, and it it, it reeks. Okay, these are, that's a triple whammy. That's pretty good. Yeah, it reeks of English smugness, cheddar. Yeah, and a lack of adventure. Yeah, what what I'd say about cheddar is that I'm not I'm I'm getting into cheese. I can only really I, I'm 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 li I like hard cheeses. I don't like soft cheeses. I've not made that jump yet. Not even camembert. Don't even like camembert. No shit. No. Well, I mean, you don't like eggs, so let's not fucking talk okay. shit. All no, right. I <laughs> so okay. wow, we're going. Well, it's like we're it's, going in. it's a hard concept to deal with, and anyone who says you don't like that, it is. It's not a hard. It's fundamentally. It's a soft moldy. concept to deal with. It's no, no, that's. I am That's, on fire today. Uh, it's fundamentally <laughs> mouldy milk. So when it's in sort of semi-liquid uh, form, yeah. it sort of brings up a lot of... It, cheese Bad is memories. inherently disgusting. Childhood like, trauma. It's addictive and it hits... It has an umami flavour that hits different... Is that like, ooh, mummy, that's some good cheese? Or no, is that an actual word? No, it's more of a flavour palette, which is like mushrooms are umami. You quite like umami. I'm a big umami guy. Then. You, yeah, umami... I've never heard this before. Umami is the Japanese um, flavour profile yeah. that sort of means sort of mellow. Yeah. Mm. It's hard to explain, but cheese is umami. So like when you're sweet, Rustic. sour, umami... No, it's hard to but explain. But you would, you cheese, would both describe mushrooms. cheese and mushrooms as rustic. Sure, but that's not the thing. Umami, its flavour profile. Um, I'll actually just quickly get up some... Uh, what, what, what? I had some Emmental... While he does this, I had some Emmental recently. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Emmental. Um, it is the cheese that I romanticise because when you see it in the fridge, you think, wow, I might get some of this Emmental because of the look of it. Because you mostly okay. see it in cartoons, because it's the it's the most beautiful looking cheese. Okay, but it doesn't taste of anything. So here here we go. Marmite has umami uh, properties. A yeah. Chinese cabbage, spinach, um, shellfish, cured meats, um, anchovies are very rich in umami. So these sort of quite Those, powerful other than flavors. anchovies that kind of describe my diet. Yeah, it's kind of like powerful flavors that yeah. I think you're going for. 
Um, and I, I can't really explain, it doesn't really explain what it is. Wait. I'm a man of rich flavors and umami sounds like, is it umami or umani? Basic, no, it's one of the five basic tastes, umami, and umami is, is savouriness. It's all savouriness. So it's basically the properties of being savoury. Yeah, okay, it's a rich means. filling. But it's not salty. Bold. Because that's his own. So, yeah, it's, it's sour because there's bitter, salty. sour, so, salty, sweet, and umami. Yeah. Are the five taste uh, things. Yeasty, perhaps. Yeast, exactly. Well, that, that's not. that's uh, Yeasty things are yeah, yeah. umami, but umami. But not exclusively yeast. thing. Um. Uh, but I I remember trying just to stay on cheese for only another half an hour. Um, I remember trying. Yeah, I, well, we would, <laughs> only, I was only hoping for, more. <laughs> for, I'm going to settle for their sake to make sure it's only uh, three quarters of the episode. Okay, I thought we were going to do the food. cheese special. Of- um, I had um, the co-op uh, um, fancy ch- uh, cheddar. I thought I'd get, and that means fantasy extra, cheddar, extra extra mature. It's called fantasy no, cheddar. No, fancy cheddar. You oh, sorry, I thought you said co-op fancy irresistible. You know that, right? And I had extra mature cheddar. Yeah. And that kind of, that blew me, that was a lot to deal with. How do you deal with extra mature? I am only, I, I will throw, if, if my mum, back in the day when I lived with her, when I was younger, and then I moved out of that house, yep. that's what happened. <laughs> I would, if she came back with anything that wasn't extra mature, I wouldn't only throw the cheese out, I'd throw her yes, out. Yes, yeah, violently domestic abuse. Because once you get to the point of mature or extra mature cheddar cheese yeah. you can't look back mm. it's like once you go black you don't go back once you go mature you don't you don't you've been on fire you, today once you once you go mature you f- you, if your yeah. mum gets mild you throw out the door <laughs> yes <laughs> we're there still it's been a tough week for everyone but we're still firing on all cylinders and we're here for you the viewing or public. are we or no are we? i don't think we are or are we are we or gonna are look we back on Umani, this Utani. no but exactly we might think in this moment these are small victories but i yeah. feel once everything's okay we'll look back on this and think mm. like this is what we considered the victory to be yeah is getting three puns in a row oh, gosh, that was yeah. what a good that was us firing on all cylinders that's Post, how low our fucking bat- lockdown are we'll be going out having adventures with yeah. shamans in yeah. Nepal mm. and then we'll be coming back and feedbacking on, on that. shamans yeah good let's shaman it yes. let's let's Would get you, into them um how, how what are your feelings on ayahuasca and that whole thing now I've never reacted well Explain for the folks at home what ayahuasca is. ayahuasca it tends to be done in a ceremony um but it is essentially a liquid a concoction that you drink um, and then you throw up most of the time afterwards, and yeah. then it's essentially a hallucinogenic or a psychic, a psychedelic. Incredibly, it, it, it's but it's, it's a quite natural DMT. Yeah, which is te- argue, which something would have been said is the drug that gets released ten minutes before you die, but that's still spurious. And basically, I know someone who makes his own DMT, and I think there's similar experiences, but the ayahuasca ceremony is a South American sort of traditional use of DMT as opposed to like getting. Um, yeah, fucked up in a shed like you would here. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it's <laughs> a different thing. Doing DMT yeah. is just it's kind of this. It's the same chemicals, but it's yeah. a very different thing as going to go into the Amazon yeah. with a shaman as opposed it's, to like doing. It's it with more your mates. to become at one with the earth and the people around you rather than to uh, just forget about your life. Well, because my my friend did DMT and he makes his own, he made his own DMT. You can which, just say it was you. 
It was <laughs> my friend. This is no, the same friend no, that had this... that bum problem last week. <laughs> no, that was that was me. That was you. Um, my my friend, he made his own DNT, and without batting his eyelids, he told me, "Yeah." So I thought I'd, I did a YouTube tutorial to make, it. as opposed to finding it. He made it, terrifying, ter- absolutely terrifying. But he said it was one of the most profound moments of his life, and it actually changed. Was he it, was he by himself? Um, I think so. Yeah, that's not that is not that is not. But he said that it. Um, basically it only lasts for like 10 minutes but it's the most intense drug experience you can probably have yeah. and you have it and then you like go through a sort of uh, psychedelic vortex and loads of people have a very similar uh, hallucination of meeting the aliens yeah, and yeah. going to uh, this thing and then having this sort of reflection on their own life and this happens in ayahuasca yeah, and yeah. DMT yeah. but he said he did it and he was so much he was a bit of a prick before and then he was actually it actually made him focus on being much kinder and yeah. genuine to people and connect him to humanity and it can go that it's way or you can never drug, or you can uh, cry every time you see the color purple like every time what a, with yeah it's a it's a as real psychedelics it is it's a real roll of the dice yeah. that's the fun you can actually change your life forever for the better yeah. and get over things that you've been struggling with forever or, find or new things you're to with. you're just fucked forever and you just yeah. your brain is putty yeah um so would you ever consider doing dmt well, or ayahuasca because they're different experiences i'm stuck on the seat are you no it's probably that? the button the probably, yeah, yeah the yeah, button the is button like it's got caught in Maybe this is a sign from the universe. That's a good metaphor for life. Yeah. So I that. have had I my experience of psychedelic drugs has not been fantastic. Yeah. It has it isn't my go to. Not that I do any drugs, Mark. No. Um, but it's like it's it's for me. Well, I ah, I just feel like a lot of the time it's it's a lot. It's very overwhelming. And like d- doing, I've done acid, and that was. It's just a long time. That's the thing. And like there was there was fantastic periods of it, but there were like, oh my God, I'd like this to stop now periods of it. Although, so it's like, I think, to be honest with these kind of things, I would, as in like, you just, you just got to jump into it. And yeah. often, often I found like the first time is your worst time and then you can have, then it gets better with stuff like that. Yeah, but you don't, you don't want to be doing DMT at all. It's oh, kind of like, no, it's ayahuasca a, or DMT. Both are a one-time thing, I think. Ayahuasca isn't. Ayahuasca is a one-time. No, thing. like you do, you can do it more frequently than DMT. I well, because our friend has um, has ho- hosts shamans of ayahuasca to come and conduct ceremonies in her house or in her. And she does it woods. multiple times. She's done it quite a few times. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Well, I, I feel but yeah. Sorry, sorry. I think ayahuasca I'd be a lot more um, a lot more interested in than DMT because I think ayahuasca I think I'd enjoy actually. As in, it, it but seems ayahuasca a is more... a different thing that, because the thing about ayahuasca is I I'm interested in that whole thing. But you've got to go to South America to do it properly. You've got to go to South America. You have well, to, like, you can go you to our to... friend's house who brings South American shamans into the woods yeah, of Forest Road. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Maybe. Like that's the thing. No, they do genuinely. Yeah, I know, but I'd probably want to go the full hog. Yeah, you know? but then also, would you not feel more uneasy doing it in the Amazon? Or it, you don't want to. You don't want to yeah, see but, a frog. But, but also, you don't want to um, see like a tree. Lizard. Well, we'll probably be licking frogs. It's that sort of. Well, true. Yeah, that's, well, that's where you get that's the, the problem. But I feel with the kind of um, tepid experiences you've had during lockdown, which has been so much stuck in like three or four rooms, the yeah. idea of like within a blip, you're ending up in the Amazon and yeah. you're having the most psychedelic experience of your life. There's something appealing to me. I'm not sure. I'm not decided that it's like definitely a You good just thing. want to lay your hair down. I, but like so aggressively that it, the world turns inside out. Yeah. So let your hair down is a bit of an understatement because it's yeah, like yeah, my yeah. hair falls off and forms my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like letting your hair yeah. down is the least. Yeah. It's going to be the, yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, I guess we've been so bound within a very constructed and constrictive view of reality that you yeah. want to break the bounds of even reality itself. Yeah, I think for me, <clears throat> I, I am a fan of drugs, but I think psychedelics are where I feel is like my, my favorite in general. Yeah. Um, have you, I mean, the, the acid, my first acid experience was actually kind of... Um, Mine was, was acid reflux, which is a whole different thing. That was your first experience with acid. Yeah. Mine was acid house, to be fair. So oh, was it? Yeah. That was the first. Yeah, one. I actually went reflux, then house, then yeah. the drug. Yeah. But um, it was with our friend Michael, who um, he was meant to be with my friend Michael, who we. Did but he's our, not anymore. We've had falling out. Who we did our radio show with, who was in the first season of our radio show, and he might be a guest in this podcast. But basically, it was um, his. Uh, he was leaving uni that year. I was staying on, and we thought for the last day that we we're going to be in uni together, let's do acid. And we yeah. like planned it out. He'd got acid tabs, yeah. and then he um, said on the day he was like, "Yo, this kind of this one of my friends of mine also wants to do acid. Is it cool if he joins?" I'm like, <sighs> "Which is I mean, a, I, which I, is I, a social situation that it should be acceptable for you to say no." It should be, but then I was like, "Okay, no, whatever, that's fine." And then, so this third guy came, he was, he was basically more of a boyfriend of his friend. And it just felt like, okay, this is a bit weird. Um, and then we were all in his room about to do it, literally had the tabs in our hand. Yeah. And he got an email because he was going back to Northern Ireland the next, the next day. Yeah, yeah. And he was planning just to like power through. Uh, he got an email that basically the um, boxes of all his books and stuff he was sending back to Ireland where he's yeah. from had like the the bottom had split so he'd have to go at nine in the morning to yeah. like fix it all and he was like okay. i can't do acid i'm not gonna do it oh oh yeah i remember the story yeah, yeah, yeah i'm not gonna do it and so then he was like i'm sorry guys i'm sorry uh i'm I, i've got to go I've, fix I've, my split I've got to boxes fix it. i can't do it uh do you, and then i was sounds like, like this, a sounds strange... like an innuendo to me with split boxes he needs to go fix his split boxes mm-hmm. and it was um, because the later turned out that Michael is a drug trafficker. That's the moral of the story. Um, but uh, I looked to this stranger who I'd never really spoken to before, and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm game if you're game." And he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Well, I guess so." And his name was Brendan, very lovely guy. Oh, yeah. And um, so well, I was like, "Fuck it!" And we both took the towels of acid and then had one of the most magically. It's of a my very life. rare moment of complete inhibition loss yeah. for you. It was truly no. I, I'm all right with those sort of things. I just don't like. I I, I like hedonism. If it's like, I enjoy hedonism. It feels like okay. This is like productive hedonism. This is that's what I think about like about psychedelics. So this, yeah. I can justify it in my brain is like, it's like building on something. Yeah. Um. And so, with this guy, um, we took it, and I I didn't feel stuff for a lot of it, but we just had this really with a complete stranger, and then he was going to he was doing a year abroad the next year so i wasn't going to see him for the whole year yeah. and that was the only time I was it's, going to see it's it. almost nice you can have a very individual really experience individual and that's probably and what made it so again. good is that well it's no i didn't know part, him at all it? so we had everything to talk about yeah yeah and i wasn't going to see him again yeah yeah it's the, it's the thing is that it's literally well, like, it's no con- it's like the, the purge. best the best one night stands will always be the hottest thing you can ever say to any other person is i'm leaving tomorrow that's like the most attractive thing that one other person could say to another for someone with issues of commitment no because it, it for like the actual experience knowing that that person yeah well for an what, acid experience of course yeah. acid experience it's like, it's like the purge both are like the same thing it's all holes barred for one night yeah and you can do whatever you want and there's no it, there's no social or societal consequences the awkward thing about the purge though so the concept of the purge from that um i think 2014 film um is that's no hard holds barred. You're allowed to do whatever you want on the purge. Do you yeah. think it'd be awkward if you 
I don't know, if you tried to kill someone and, and they missed. escaped and then the next day you well, see if you've them got down a, the shop. If shops, you've got a cross, if you've had a vendetta against your neighbour for quite a few years and you, like, this because of the an overgrowing legally. hedge mm. and you thought, you know what, this is the day that I'm going to sort this out. Yeah. I'll You get your crossbow out and you just, you see him running down the street and you just miss and then you just look at each other. <laughs> That's the only bolt you had. That's the only bolt you had. That's the only bolt you had. And then he's... And then runs off. And then he the runs next off. Day, the next day, you can't kill him. What I'd like to see <laughs> is a film about the day after the purge. About, <laughs> the about all the failed attempts of murder <laughs> or whatever. Ones. I mean, because to be fair, I've never actually watched that film because it got like mixed reviews. I've, I want to watch it. Though. I want to watch it. There's though. something, yeah. Because it's a brilliant concept. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch it soon. It's a brilliant concept. We'll, we'll, do we'll it, watch we'll do it, it and we'll, we'll review it next week. But The Purge is a brilliant concept. For those of you who don't know, it's yeah. the idea that it's a ridiculous... I mean, they could have phrased it a little bit better, but they basically the idea is that in the future, the, uh, crime has uh, dropped to 1%. And the reason is because one day a year, all yeah. crimes are permitted. So yeah. you can do whatever you want for a whole day. Crying, is it because crime got so bad that they had to find a way to kind of push it down? But it's just... it's, And I guess it's a sci-fi, it's a fun concept, it's a horror, like... Um, it's fine to have these, but I guess the kind of stupid thing is it's just that, which is kind of hard to get over, but you sort of need to, is the idea that crime comes from this, this, this like, desi- this like yeah. pleasure drive. Yeah, that you yeah, wanna, yeah. As opposed to being Passion about Passion crimes don't exist, <laughs> yeah. basically. It's not like you get flustered in a moment yeah. and do something you shouldn't do. Yeah, or, or, or um, uh, crimes out of necessity, well, economically. Well, again, now that I think, about, now I think about doing the day after the purge, I'd like to also see the 364 days before the purge when people are like just putting banking crimes in their head. Yeah. If like someone someone hits you wrong in the if someone like you bump into someone in the street or someone says something wrong, you just write down in a notepad all the things you're gonna do on the day of the purge. Yeah, yeah. Because There'll be a lot of note taking. They'll be like, mm, "Well, I'll yeah. see you on March the fourth or yeah. whenever the purge is." Yeah. But that's the purge. Brain well, do you want to do you want to move on? Yes. Because I have some questions mm-hmm. to ask both you and the viewing public about um, a few men who are basically the same men but have been very successful in their fields of actor, of being actors, right? I've said that in a very roundabout way, which wasn't necessary. I want to ask you how hot certain actors are because sure. it confuses me because there's the Hollywood leading man is in a drama, you got to be sexy. Sure. You know, in a comedy, you obviously there's... there's yeah, in a romantic romantic comedy. No, I'm just saying in a comedy. Yeah, in a, I'm talking about romantic comedies. Okay. So... Obviously, there's the gap between men and women, and there's a lot more expectation for women to be more attractive in these films. But uh, in romantic comedies, they they do wheel out some pretty hot dudes. Well, there's yeah, no, also no, no. there's also a misconception. No, as no, well. no, but that's that's not what I'm saying. Okay, it's like they they do wheel out some hot dudes, but they also wheel out. You'll never see a not some attractive munters. some munters. Yeah, yeah, which is but and you don't see enough female munters in rom coms. Ex- exactly, yeah. and that's what I'm calling for. But I'm also asking <laughs> more munters on in the rom coms. <laughs> but. Is Owen Wilson attractive? I think so. Very much so. Do you think so? Yeah, I think he has. And I'll tell you why. I don't... want to know. Yeah, I, I, I guess well, I do. So, BB's obviously a big fan of Owen Wilson. Obviously. I'm, and I'm a big fan obviously. of Obviously. I'm a big fan of Owen Wilson, and I think he's someone who deserves an art house glow up. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you've seen with well, he's Adam done Sandler... That. With what? He's done the DFS sofa adverts on ITV. <laughs> no, but he's fucking hilarious in that. Well, it's a really, it's one of the most yeah. 
confusing things you'll see of going from the, the go compare man to something you're looking at Owen Wilson. Um, and he's and his ridiculous voice. He goes talking, eating. He's like well, he's. It's he, like I'm in the room with him. Yeah, <laughs> it's honestly ridiculous. <laughs> where the noises are like hee haw, hee haw, um, or hey, he, I can't. What what does he sound like? Yeah, when you're speaking, it's like talking, eating. Oh, wow, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, I, I like Owen Wilson. Kind of... I like Owen Wilson as an actor. And I, and what, no. The reason why I think he needs an art house glow up like Adam Sandler, like Robert Pattinson got, um, is because... Robert Pattinson is not in the same league. He's though. not in the let's, same league. He's going to be, be above, fair. but I'm saying that in the way that you have that kind you of You can't have cheekbones up. like that. Yeah, but Robert Pattinson, before his art house glow up, but he was. Fa- but he was starting his career at that point. I guess so. I guess so. He but hadn't done he There's hadn't done a the lot wedding of crashes. that. But seeing how incredible Adam Sandler was in um, uh, uh, Uncut, Uncut Gems. Uh, um, yeah. Fantastic. Incredible. And and part of what makes him so fucking sick is because it's Adam Sandler and the way it's yeah, used. Yeah. And, that, and I, I hope we see more and, of well, those. It's a bit like things. Adam Sandler in. Um, Fuck's sake. Punch Drug Love, Punch Drug Love and Merowitz stories, yeah. both, and it shows his range or his ability to act if he needs to. And I think there's a, a lot of actors that it's like, because what I've also realized is that I don't, th- acting is not crazy, crazy hard. You gotta have the look mm. and you gotta have the star power. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of hard to get. But. I think you can put a lot of these trashy actors with the right director, right script, yeah, and it would and just pop. And it would just pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you put no, Kevin James in Uncut Gems. I think he would pop off. I draw the line there. <laughs> I draw the line there. I don't think. Ke- <laughs> I don't think. Ke- I think Kevin has been so kind of. He's 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 built his career in the same kind of film, and he's so his 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 kind of natural reflexes, his muscle memory, are going towards his comedy. So I imagine on the, in a very tense moment, he'd be more comedic. I, I don't think, know, but Adam Sandler's pretty comedic in Uncut Gems. He, he has a real comedic edge to him, and they and it, that's part of the the, the uh, part of that role. Um, I don't. I think Owen Kevin, Wilson. I think Kevin's needs, a lost cause. Owen Wilson was in Inherent Vice. He was in Midnight in Paris. He's been in a couple of like films with some auteur directors, but uh, I think he's very attractive and mainly. No, if, but it's it's not as a good actor. The attract the attractiveness. Yeah. Um, BB's a big fan of him, and I think the reason why. And it's like female attraction is something that's hard to understand from the male perspective than male attraction is from the female perspective. It really perspective. is because I see men that I'm like, yeah, you're hot. I know a lot I'm of women. All, I know, I'm all, I know, I'm all I, over you. I know a handful of women, like five or six, who I can, uh, I, I, I've actively spoken about this, who think Steve Buscemi's attractive, who think he's hot, who has a like a... I don't understand And like that. the female yeah. Steve Buscemi, that just wouldn't happen for because men. Because I guess it's not the, you know, we can't get into the mindset of, of that. I get that. Do you know what I mean? It's because like, us, uh, for an, me, it's a, pre- it's a pretty boy exactly. that would, would get me. No, but then for, for women, it's a whole different thing. And I think Owen Wilson has this sort of chilled out. He's like a golden Labrador. He's like a surfer dude. He's a surfer dude, He's yeah. kind of soft and uh, uh, goofy. He's sort of unthreatening, but also quite sexy. I get it. Steve He's Buscemi. Tall, not Steve Buscemi. What, what's he bringing to the table? Steve Buscemi has kind eyes, I guess. And that little things like that are Does enough he? for a lot of women. Does he? Yeah, he's got... There's a there's a kindness behind those eyes. Do you know what? My big... Actually, my biggest... Okay, one of the most controversial opinions I think I had is I don't really rate Steve Buscemi as an actor. Okay. There's something about him. You know when you look at someone in, when they're in a film or whatever 
and you you can feel all the time that they're acting. Yes, that's a big problem. That's the, every that's single really, time I see Steve Buscemi in everything. I'm like, I, I know you're really. I lights. guess I guess what I would say about Steve Buscemi, which is the th- a thing that's good and bad about a lot of American actors, which is different to British actors in general, is American actors they kind of have their personality and then they are them yeah. in the films. It, Steve Buscemi. He's one of those actors who is literally like he's screaming, "My name's Sh- I'm Steve Buscemi." Buscemi. You know, I'm reading out these lines. You know, it, it helps with like with actors who you don't, you never remember. I don't remember the name of any of his roles because I'll only know him as Steve Buscemi in any film. You, you know, know what? You're right. Yeah, I he's always going to be Steve Buscemi. I can't think of anything. Yeah, and someone same. I don't rate Idris Elba. I'm sorry to say it. Yeah, I don't think I do either. And Idris Elba, I saw him in um, Aaron yeah. Sorkin's new uh, film, which he wrote and directed, called Molly's Game with Jessica mm. Chastain, which has a brilliant first hour and then really goes off the boil. Idris Elba is fucking awful in that film. He's He plays this kind of generic American, when he does American accents. And yeah. he, I look at him and all I'm thinking, when, <laughs> he's not Idris accents, Elba. It's just Idris Elba. It's the same when he comes in the office and does a cameo in the it's US you're, office. You're just thinking you're just it's Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. It's Idris Elba. It's Idris Elba. Idris Elba. And the best role that Steve Buscemi's had for me is in third. Rock, where yeah. he plays, because part of that is a celebrity cameo, is a part mm-hmm. of the comedy of it, and it's him putting him in ridiculous situations, and it's almost like how funny would it be if Steve Buscemi did this? Exactly, yeah. No, I, I, I personally rate Steve Buscemi, but I think he does like a he brings Steve Buscemi to every role. So yeah. if you don't like that, then you won't like anything he does. Yeah, and if I you do like that. Then I just you can't. Like you can't really lose yourself in the story with it because it's, <laughs> it's just like what's Steve it's Buscemi? A, why, is he, why is Steve in this? I, why I like Steve Buscemi is because he's such a unique presence he doesn't he's not like anyone else and he's one of those people which also which might make it more difficult for him in yeah. terms of doing different characters because if you're so individual as a person then it's but hard then it's to also lose good to have, character. have like a big uh star who feels um there's no he's not filling any niche that anyone else has filled before because there's it's I, I like I almost look at Steve Buscemi and I'm like, what made you think you could get into acting? Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, the same yeah. with Toby Jones. Do you know that really yeah, short yeah. guy? Oh, he's great though. He's brilliant, but I'm almost like, how do you? Well, when because you always need when troll parts. No, no, but but when you're when when you're young, when Toby Jones was young, yeah, he's like a squat tight, like four foot eleven. Um, not at all conventionally attractive at all. What makes him think that he's going to, in one of the toughest industries in the world, when he sets because out? Because I feel like they're slightly before the celebrity industry, a bit more, because like there's, there, it's almost like the most authentic expression of actor, as in the kind of Shakespearean uh, men who would stand on stage. And it isn't about the attractiveness. It's about how well you can deliver the fucking line. Yeah, but Someone if Toby like the... Jones is playing Romeo or Hamlet... Oh, no, or, Ro- yeah, like... I think he could do Hamlet. <laughs> Maybe no. You I mean, there's he a certain amount. Well, bottom, but then there's... he could do part. Yeah, he could. Yeah, fine. But well, someone like <laughs> Gleason Senior, <laughs> Brendan Gleason. No, Gleason Senior, his dad. That's Brendan. Domna Hall's the young. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no him. Him. He's similarly similarly unattractive. No. Yeah. But he has he has a presence, a powerful kind of domineering Hoffman, thing. One of the best acts of all time. True. He's yeah. Unique, he's like a white puffy piece of ham. So what I you're talking about, I guess, face. is is short men. You're saying how dare short men no, get into acting? No, it's not short men. No, I because Philip Seymour Hoffman and. Brennan Gleeson, I guess he, he, he could easily fit the role of dads all over the place. Like, Brennan Gleeson could be the dad anywhere. What, and Toby couldn't? No. 
<laughs> Brendan Gleeson, if you look at if you look in a cast, you're saying he's a If you look in an audition room for like uh, 40s dad, they're yeah. not going to look as crazy different to Brendan Gleeson as they will from Steve Buscemi and Toby Jones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I always respect. So you think for, like, too, the weird looking You're dudes. saying they're too odd looking to even be conceptualized that they could have kids. <laughs> yeah. Or just like it's gonna you're gonna have to make a point about it if they do it. The yeah. Film. As in, it would be a very tough love story for them to go through. Well, because most, most roles in films, for because it, it, it's such a hard industry, I guess if you have the confidence to think you're going to be a star, which is so rare, yeah. mo- most of the time, if you're going to think you're going to have any chance of even falling back on any work, you're going to have to be a generic part of some sort. Yeah. So if Toby Jones, he just because he's absolutely brilliant at acting, yeah. and that's a big risk backing your talent that much, is the yeah. only reason that he's had a career. Yeah. Because if he wasn't brilliant, then where are you putting Toby Jones? Toby Jones, if he couldn't act very well. You're saying Lord of the Rings, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not saying Lord you're of the Rings. You're saying Ring. Lord of the Rings. No, I'm not saying Lord of the Rings, because then he had to get bit... I know you're, I mean, trying, I know you're trying to make a PC point, War- but what you're saying, what you're saying is Toby, well. what you're saying is Toby Jones is... Oh, fuck, what are the bad guys in Lord of the Rings? Orcs. Orcs. Toby Jones is an orc. Yeah, but that's still extra work that doesn't come about that often. And it's, it's like, true, yeah. and it, he's, if you're wearing a mask, it's like you're not going to be bringing that much to the table in general. There's anyway. a lot of them as well. There's a shitload. It's a hell of a lot. That's not going to pay your mortgage. <laughs> um, yeah, Because no. Warwick Davis is an interesting example because he's not a very good actor at all. No, he's. But then he pretty got bad. in Star Wars, um, Waterworld, Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter, and then Life's Too Short. Uh, and Life's Too Short, which was a fucking godsend. For yeah, him. really. I mean, it's a. Everyone chats a lot of shit about Ricky Gervais, but he was the first person to put a dwarf on mainstream television like that. I don't think it's ever been done in that way. Yeah. I mean, it was to laugh at how short he was. Um, Pretty much. But, you know, <laughs> M- still, you take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so on, so with Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, people think is really hot. I don't understand. And why he's hot is because of his confidence. Yeah, because he's got that big hammy meaty face, well, and he wears it. Okay, so with right, if we're, if we're going into Vince this... Vaughn, metaphorically, is driving a Ferrari made out of ham, but driving it as if it's in a Ferrari. And if you see a man <laughs> who's driving Ferrari who's made out of ham, which yeah. is what is uh, is a metaphor. You want to take a bite, and he's whizzing past. And then with the confidence as if he's wearing a Ferrari, you're like, that is a cool dude. If he's driving it like, oh, oh, then you're like, what the fuck is that weird guy doing in a ham car? So a lot of male, because, right, for me, I'm trying to, as I say, I'm trying to learn about these things. Mm. And the two things I've consistently- Always learning. Well, that's, Always what, that's learning. what we're about. And Always the two learning. things that I've consistently come up is confidence and ham face. Yes. So it's, again, which I get, well, there was one more who I just want to cover before we sum it up. Because it was Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson. Oh no, I was thinking Steve Coogan, but I can see the attraction to Steve Coogan. Hundred percent. Steve Coogan clears up pussy like no one else. He does. But apparently, yeah, so BB really worked. BB worked with Steve Coogan, and um, he's like, she said it's the most of anyone she's worked with. Ben she's Stiller. Worked, she's worked with Ben Stiller. Don't really get Ben Stiller, but he did um, write and. He didn't, maybe he directed, but he definitely no, but, wrote. He wrote *Tropic Thunder*, which is an incredible film. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, but this is like pure animal magnetism. And but attraction. he's a comedy. He's a comedy actor. He is a com- yeah. I, no, oh, exactly. No, no one's saying. He's but he's a, been in rom coms. No, he was no in that one, one with Jennifer Aniston. Um, *Along Came Polly*. *Along Came Polly*. Um, I don't like. He works Vince for a rom com Right, because I, I think Vince Vaughn is that is actually the key here. Hold up, I'm still saying my thing about Steve Coogan. Well, um, yeah, okay. 
and he's like very short and BB uh, said working with him is like the most um, like powerful any she's worked with fairly quite a few famous people but she said the most blown away she's been by like raw talent than anyone is Steve Coogan acting wise or writing or directing. just the whole the whole uh, it's more um, it's more the aura they carry as opposed to like specific skills yeah yeah um, and it's because uh, and that's the thing about Steve Coogan is he came up with that whole day to day brass eye yeah, like yeah, rat yeah. pack of Amanda Indonucci, Stuart Lee, Herring, yeah, yeah. Um, all of those people. But he was the only one who wasn't like Morris. Oxford Ed, uh, Chris Morris, uh, Oxford educated, really cerebral. He yeah, was just yeah. the rawest talent you've ever seen. Yeah, Apparently, yeah. watching him on set. But she said you could just tell that he's just like a, a horny little dude. And it's always the he short is. ones who I think really have that kind of raw sexual power. Is I he think. short? that's the thing is he's surprisingly really short okay. and I feel that's what he's trying to get over and what BB said was interesting was that um, he would try stuff and it'd be hilarious and then BB would laugh at it and he would have that look like that slight joy and imagine being Steve Coogan still having like, that the most the most kind of like glorified yeah, yeah. one of the most glorified comedians in British comedy unanimously considered a genius Still, if you yeah, get yeah, a laugh yeah, yeah. from a young still woman, you're still like, it. you know. Okay, yeah. Um, no, the guy definitely fucks. Oh, um, he fucks hard, and I rate him for it. He used to do coke back in the days. He's done a lot of. He, he talks. A, he's talked a fair bit about. Let's talk about our experiences mm-hmm. with the combined cadet force. Yeah, because um, we've been skirting around this. We've been skirting around this topic because we, it, it, we were scared. It just too, it was too private school, but it's too funny to leave. Um, if you think there's a deep. Um, problem in the British establishment or the way that society is organised in this country, then look no further than um, us. A lot, a, than us, you know, this we're a, a product. This is of, we are. You know, we do satire, but we are a satire we are in ourselves. Satire. If this is what elite schools create, then mm. maybe we should shut them down. Yeah, ab- absolutely. This story is a is a yeah. discussion about the abolition of private schools. <laughs> it is, if which I strongly believe, and here's the story to uh, so, back it up. You, so in. In the start of our, uh, when Hiroshima first arrived at our school in year nine, it was mandatory to do combined cadet force, otherwise known as CCF. <laughs> which is the army. Which is the army. And we, you're not going into the army, um, but <laughs> you're, you're basically playing army every Wednesday for an hour. Yeah. And Maybe more. I think it was longer than that. It felt longer for us, but it, um, was, it, was, an it was an hour. Okay. So we it we we were forced to do that, and every Wednesday we'd have to we'd be in our in our <laughs> rooms, and just like me and Aisha were quite sprightly young kids, you know, creative, enjoying yeah. our lives, and then just the look on each other's faces when we were put, lacing up our, <laughs> army, our boots. army boots, military defense standard, putting army on our berets, <laughs> and like. Us, each other just like checking each other's berets to make sure we're not going to get shouted at and then you get punished if your beret wasn't shouted at and we're not the best at dealing with authority no, anyway not at all all rules no. or things that are pointless yes um, so and then, we did not thrive we did not thrive in this arena but just um, as a bit of context basically the CCF might sound baffling to a lot of people and it is and it's basically in in general in especially countryside private schools because there's a lot of space you um, need to fill it. How um, officers? It's comes. It's from an old 
a tradition of uh, the British Army is like mm. how you'd basically the way that you'd choose officers from soldiers is that you'd have middle class officers yeah, and yeah. working class soldiers. So like mm. as a, a way of um, like filtering out because that was the point of that if the, if a world war broke out because we'd done CCF <laughs> <laughs> we'd we'd be officers. <laughs> So if World War Three broke out, you Wait, could that? be under command of me or you. Really? Yeah. What? That's, what? It was like you'd immediately jump a few ranks because Would you'd you done jump? that. Yeah. Oh, well, because in, in reality, so in reality, up. you had although it was nothing near normal army training. You Did had. Did we done have any certification? No. We didn't get any official. No, no, no. But that's just how the system works. Okay. So that. that's that's a um, <laughs> is a way of filtering out to get like the right people being officers. So we had to do this for um, a year mandatorily, and um, we we were put because it, there were different squads within a platoon. <laughs> which is so we do marching. So all we did, all we did, was basically first, drill, yeah. which is basically you know the classic left, right, left. A squad about turn. We'd have like history teachers who were like big officers who took it really seriously. It was like the worst up. thing about it was how seriously everyone took it. It's ridiculous. As if we were actually training to be the <laughs> yeah. army instead of, instead of depressed, spotty teenagers try, <laughs> just trying to not cry. Um, but we were put in a squad with two other kids. The, the squads there was like fifteen of them in fifteen of you in a squad. Yeah. We were put in with two who took it the most seriously. Yeah. I think both of them had semi or full um, ambitions to get into the army at mm -hmm. some point. Go to Sandhurst and do the whole thing. Exactly. So then what What they created an interesting dynamic of Squad H, which we were. Was, <laughs> well, do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it is Scott... It's, you know when you know when cows get branded, yeah, yeah. that's the same memory <laughs> yeah, of yeah. gone into it. Um, of so we had a very interesting squad dynamic because it was the the two kids who were both hopeless and hated it the most yeah. and <laughs> took the most liberties <laughs> yeah. of things with the two who were taking it most seriously. But so we did that for a year of about turns, etc. Yeah. And then the next year, you, it wasn't mandatory anymore, um, but it was still on the curriculum. So you had the opportunity to sign up for things like uh, focusing on recycling or I don't know. And that's the only thing I could think of. Um, but you could do different extracurricular curricular activities, but there was a deadline for when it was you had to sign up for. Wait, sorry, before you go into this, um, on that first year, what we were doing, I remember... Um, which is like the closest, I, I still remember it. It was actually kind of wild. It was the first, because did you? We, did we do it in our first year? Yeah. So it was the first year I was there. I remember this. Um, and it's the most I've probably been like genuinely abused by another student. Like, Oh, God, yeah. It was quite bad. Um, basically, there's this, this guy who was in lower sixth who was an officer. Year 12. Year 12. Yeah. And he... Um, Clearly, he'd seen some army films and sort of thought this is like a encouraging way to sort of blood the troops in. He like picked on me. Well, he's seen so many frat films. So it's, yeah, and then he would like get up in my face and start abusing. I can't for the life of me imagine why he would pick on you and keep saying, "Well, it was, uh, he he." Well, I, a lot of people it's because I'm I have an annoying looking face. You know, I'm joking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because your name's Horatio, you look like a dickhead and you yeah, were a yeah. prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you weren't, but you were um, a bit anti-establishment. Sure. 
Um, and uh, I remember him, I had like the first hairs of my moustache growing in before I'd even started shaving and he would start going in on that. He started talking about my acne. Um, wow. And he was like going, he was like, you really want to punch me in the face, don't you? And like having this, but like doing it. With he said such, that. But he, it was like it was written like an American film of a bully. Yeah. Um, and I just remember that was like, I remember thinking, ah, oh, this is not, this is not a healthy way yeah. to have. I mean, if I wanted comes, to it, join the army, yeah. maybe I'd accept this. Because that's but part the of fact the deal. that I have been made to do <laughs> yeah. this every Wednesday. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't. And be. I, that was like two months into school. I remember, yeah, um, because What's it, it, it comes from the kind of private school thing. Do you that's know? Horrible. Do you know about? Um, I think they're called like. I didn't realize it was that bad. I thought he just like made you do extra. No, things. no, no. Because there were a couple got, of times he, he got made up my face. March. He got up in the my face. Uh, on the shouts. on the thing on on the yeah on the um what was it where we all uh, parade uh, par on the parade. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it comes from like there's old stories of like in private school you'd have like the uh, back in the day you'd have. Um, something like f fags is what what, was the, what they were called or something. Mm. Uh, it's like the way they talk about people who uh, people in the first year who'd worked for prefects in the oh. old year. And I remember um, like a, a a really abused former personal assistant. Yeah, and they, they'd use that as a way of like yeah, um, yeah. respect your elders. So yeah, like yeah. I remember reading Roald Dahl's autobiography, and he went to one of these. That's schools. why you got picked on. Yes. Um, and he bro wouldn't have that. <laughs> uh, he was one of these something something fags so, fags something not to do with gay. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Traditional English use of the term. Um, some weird private school. Some awards. weird thing. Uh, and like one of the things during the winter, you'd get the fag something to sit on the toilets to warm it up for you in the morning as a way of like, and it Who felt wants... like that was like a. Uh, a hangover from that old school is it, sort of well uh, whenever sort of. I sit on a toilet seat that's still warm I feel uncomfortable yeah awful why, why, no why would anyone want that <laughs> warm my toilet seat up for me boy I, mean, I guess this is back in the 1920s I don't know if when maybe they there was felt less more maybe less heat global know. warming yeah maybe it was colder back yeah, then yeah but it'd be horrible it'd be weirder sitting down in a toilet and it feeling warm what don't know, warm is worse because you're like because <laughs> no, cold's we all, pretty bad we all when have, it's really chilly cold's yeah but we all have there's a, there's a societal um, accepted lie that we're all sharing or uh, an omission of omission of truth or reality sure um, which is that we don't whenever you sit on a public toilet seat or even private toilet seats we all sit on each other's bums essentially yeah we all and sit on top of each other's bums exactly and the warmth of that is a reminder of it so mm. whenever I sit on a warm toilet seat I'm reminded of the fact that someone has just shat on this toilet <laughs> yeah. it's so weird if anything it's I'd want them to go in and like but, cool it but, down but the, the bum cheek probably would be one of the least germy parts of your body the actual bum yeah. cheek yeah I guess so. W won't it? Because your your hands, your but face, it's about the reminder. With it's the reminder. Hands grabbing door handles will be way more filled with uh, mm. potentially now than it's your like bum cheek. What germs your bum cheek getting? Yeah, but I think it's not necessarily about the biology of it. It's more about the like intimacy. It, it's like a Vietnam flashback. Sure. Of this is what's happened before. <laughs> you sit down and you you have a flashback. I remember of Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was tough out there, man. Sorry, you were saying, you were saying. No, no. So, well, that is, I didn't realize it was actually that yeah, bad. Yeah, it, it was pretty I bad. I remember him, that specific guy, mm. shouting at mm. both of us. But I got it a what lot. What was his name? It wasn't, oh my God. Uh, I can picture him. Yeah, I can picture him. Burrow, Sam Burrows. Sam Burrows, 
You know what? We're not going to bleep that. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to account for your sins. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had... So, Horatia was clearly... <laughs> Horatia was... As as I say, as is unimaginable why it would happen that you'd be pit on in a more mass... An army situation. Because I couldn't even do it if I wanted to. That's yeah. the problem. Because, I didn't want to, but Because even if bearing I did. in mind, this was a year about coordination. Yeah, just... It was a year about m- knowing where your feet and hands are <laughs> and being told awful. to do something. <laughs> Which, because we would stand next to each other and I would try. <laughs> I would be like, mate, just fucking turn this way, but it would never work. Um, so then I, but then I, uh, we then kind of went down together. But so after, after the back of that tor- torrid year, it then we then had the opportunity to do something, mm. something else next year. You can choose from a variety of different things. There was a deadline to do it and it was a first come, first serve basis. Yeah. And this is probably the most indicative story of our two personalities together <laughs> is the fact that we ended up forgetting or not really realizing or not really caring that we had to do it. Um, so then eventually we missed a deadline and then we had to do it for another we year. We had to do it for another year when there was an option to get out. We so could have got out. Feeling, feeling like it wasn't even our fault. We were like, the two people. Who wants to do CCF? You've chosen to do yeah. this. We did not choose to do We that. were the two people who hated it the most, <laughs> were the worst at it, <laughs> caused the most aggravation for everyone. Yeah. And then we ended up yeah. doing it again for another year. And then as you say, it was you, you've chosen to be here. And then CCF split into three <coughs> things. It's just so ridiculous. Into Navy... Um, Air for RAF and Army. Why? Navies are the biggest Why? spenders. No, there's no two ways about it's, it. It's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame, but they are because it's like it's like the stereotype of the Navy is probably a bad thing, <laughs> of course, but. When you're not going to war, yeah. why would you choose to be in the navy? Yeah, and, and and there was only five people in the navy. It's like the point. Right, actually, <laughs> I want to go on about this. If there's like, you're in a school situation and popularity is obviously an issue, bullying is an issue, of course, of all those things. <laughs> why in fuck's name would you decide to go into the navy where all it is is social situation? There's no, you're not doing anything different. You're not going on a boat. You're not going on a fucking boat. You've chosen to be in the fucking navy for no reason other than for other than for social. RAF was pretty lame as well because they had like a more formal dress. Yeah, Andy Williams was the biggest. (laughs) Yeah, our friend. It was a shame seeing him, but so with that, so we had another horrible. We had had another horrible year of it. But towards the end of this, we got an email in, and we realised that this wasn't we were getting towards the end of our journey of ccf and we were nearly at the finish line yeah and then we realized <laughs> that we had to do a uh, a retreat yeah. um and go on ccf camp yeah, yeah, yeah. um for over the weekend and we i remember <laughs> we both got our, our we got our mums involved yeah. and we were like this can't be mandatory yeah. we're not do- like yeah. we're not doing this <laughs> We didn't want to do. We didn't want to sign up for this anyway. We're not doing. Bear in mind, most of the people are like, yeah, this sounds fucking great. We're yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. this. Um, so we had to go on a weekend retreat of uh, doing army shit. Was it in the New Forest? I think somewhere like that. Somewhere, yeah. So it ended up, and then we had to. So we went there, and basically it was two days, and there were loads of different activities. Some right. were worse than others. Yeah. Um, but we had to. You had to sleep in what's called a basher, <laughs> which is basically which is, you basically what a basher is is you have. It's a, a piece, piece of, of string and a tarpaulin 
and you need to try and make a dwelling with whatever your wit, with your wit. So it's like, you will love it because they're like, look how dry I can keep myself with just this string and tumble. When you're not very competent <laughs> at those things. That was the worst nice seat I ever fucking had. Me and, <laughs> me and Horatio ended up on the edge of the camp and we just put this basher up and you get fucking <laughs> rations. Like, I think they're trying to teach you this idea of... Because it's not even... It wasn't even towards... That's the thing about the army. It wasn't towards the idea of, like, self-sustenance and survival techniques. It was yeah. just army shit. It's <laughs> just so much army. Because it, was, it wasn't like, yeah, okay, well, this is what you do in this situation. <laughs> yeah. It was like, put that piece of fabric up on a string, now eat these cold tin of beans. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And me and Hiroshi, I remember us shivering under our basher with our, like, little... Uh, cook, it wasn't a well-made basher. Just, we rained. were terrible. <laughs> And it rained so much and we were both just there <laughs> shivering. Like not talking to each other because of how upset we were. Just shivering, crying Honestly. in the rain. And then, <laughs> the next morning, we wake up and we hear fucking gunshots or something. Yeah, there's gunfire. And as I say, me and Horatio, for some horrible reason, ended up at the very end of the camp. So we were the last basher out of all of the others that were there. And we just heard like gunshots firing from the distance. Yeah. I'm, and we we hadn't slept, and I've, we kind of looked at each other like, "What the fuck is what? It, what is this?" Yeah. By the way, the RAF, uh, the RAF were also there. <laughs> no, no, the RAF were. No, 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 no. I'm just oh, saying yeah, okay. they were also they were also there, and we heard blanks. So you, we all had guns, and we had like a yellow thing tied the end. Yeah, you had. We sure. had like fake guns, but they were real. They, they were real guns, but with they blanks. shot blanks. Yeah. So we had bla we had to sleep with those because it was it was a uh, similar yeah. to uh, um, Kubrick and this is my yes, this is my yeah. gun. You had to sleep with it and you had to protect it all times. And then these blanks started going off. I mean, we we were sleep deprived. We literally thought, "Oh, this has got to be a joke. This isn't this isn't real. Why the fuck is this happening?" And then we kind of got out of our basher, just confused about what the fuck was happening. We we're like, "Well, I guess this is time for us to really kick it's into war. action." It's war! It's war, baby! We're here. We're under it. I think one of us definitely distinctly shouted, we're under attack. Because <laughs> we're the first line of We're the first, for some horrendous, they knew we were the two idiots of the group, but they were like, we're going to put We're under you. attack! Everyone, rise up! We are, our entire way of life is under threat! <laughs> so we picked up our guns and we walked out like juggernauts. I from... didn't pick up my gun. I, I did. You no, picked no, 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 no. Okay, go. Oh, yeah. I, well, I think we both picked up a gun and walked out as juggernauts, slowly, slowly just shooting at these random pops that were happening in the distance. And then we could see like a few really intense into it people hiding behind trees, somersaulting over. It was shooting, the shooting. RAF. And we were like, it was, we realized it was the RAF. The RAF had ambushed and we like, us. And, we, and I was like, this is I not think... acceptable. The RAF do not ambush Horatio Gould. So then I think, okay, look, these blanks aren't doing shit. And literally, I don't even think, I didn't think of it in a funny way. That's the way. problem with blanks. I thought about it in like an instinct way. I didn't even pip. I realized we're under attack. I was bleary eyed. So then I start getting the biggest sticks possible. And I started javelining and the fucking RAF. So I was like, "You can blank as much as I like." So although we were, <laughs> although we were clearly the boat, the two of us are the worst at the CCF. Is that Horatio was definitely worse than me. For so, sure. For so sure. then I. When he started throwing sticks, he brought me down with him. <laughs> so I also started hurling sticks and loved. Like, you stay out of our territory, you RAF dickhead. <laughs> and throwing them at them. And then you just heard this massive, stop! We had to stop the war. We had and to then, stop the battle. And then uh, the 
our um our commanding officer then stood up and then got all of the RAS. XSAS. We got everyone out of the trees and marched over. What the fuck do you think you're doing? Because it was a planned attack for us to test our army skills. And what you're meant to do is go into battle position. Is go into battle position. In your basher so you can defend yourself. Defend yourself. That was the main thing. But we walked out and threw sticks at him. And then, he came, and then he came over and he went, he shouted, he was screaming at the two of us and he went, what the fuck, he was like, what the fuck are you doing? How fucking dare you, he went, get to your basher! And then we were standing right next to him and Horatio just went, ah, but sir, this is our basher. And they went, well fucking lie down then! <laughs> and then me and Horatio were just lying on the floor, just, ah, okay. okay. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the day before. And that was, I think that was the end of it. Of our CCF. All right, to round up the show, we're going to end with Andrew's got a, a two gripes. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of them is the online and general argument about whether there should be uh, pineapple on pizza. Yeah, that's a very good gripe. The I'm argument. Fully, I'm fully with you. The argument yeah. in itself. Mm-hmm. Why do people get so much pleasure mm-hmm. about having that argument? It's true. Also, I don't care. No, not at all. It's just do what you want to fucking do. Stop putting mm-hmm. it, it's. I guess it's stop putting your opinions on other people. But also, it's not interesting anymore. It's not at all. And why people get so much pleasure from diving into it, and then the fact that there was a massive online discussion about it, and then also there's now all we do is live in a world of callbacks of that argument. Yeah. And I can't get away from it. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care personally. I prefer not to have them. Yeah. But then I don't, I now I'm at a point where I don't even want to say what my personal preference is of fear you don't want to add to the of adding to the discourse. Mm. Um, I think this also speaks, I completely agree. Um, I do think that people who cling on to those small arguments because they think it's zany and fun, it's not zany and fun. It's not. Um, it's but sad. I do also think it is, you're, you're always like a year behind in the internet and I do think it's, uh, do you, are you finding this on Facebook? No, I'm not always a year behind in the internet. Where did you find Sometimes this, I, where, where I did you find this discourse? I saw, Who's it re- t- I saw it referenced in the chase today. Yeah, exactly. So That's not a year behind in the internet. Uh, is, it kind of is. Though, what did I say? Right? I say Watching now it's all about TV. callbacks. Now it's callbacks. Yeah. There's callbacks to it. Yeah. I'm not saying we're in the heavy part of yeah, the yeah, discourse yeah, okay. right now. All right. No, but I do. I do otherwise. Oh, well, I don't have. I don't go on Instagram. <laughs> sue me. <laughs> Fucking, I don't have a Twitter account. Christ. Oh, what's Bebo? Oh, I don't have a MySpace. Um. But yes, that that's a fair gripe. Um. But there's other ones like that. I was, I was trying to remember. There's but other things. But then, because sorry, yeah, because yeah, my general gripe yeah. would be um these uh, quirky internet arguments that then go into something bigger. Yes, for true. Um, okay, it, what are the ones? There are like, a few. There's loads of like the classic ones. It's like how um, milky your tea is, but that's not and really. And people one. start to claim it as an identity, yeah, rather than. But then you know that feeds into the kind of problem that I've been talking about, which is like if you don't give people identity, they have shit ones. Yeah. You know, if okay. you don't have like a collective one, yeah, then naturally all humans have a desire for identity to belong. Mm. Then suddenly you've got people saying, "I don't like pineapple on pizza," and it's like. Well, I don't know. Maybe well, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. So I think that does go into kind of a, a big point that we're trying to make this podcast. It's like, you need to be giving people a collective, uh, yeah. fairly cool identity because otherwise they're going to take some otherwise shit we're like going to get all this shit that happens exactly. on a regular basis <laughs> exactly. and i'm fed up of it i'm yeah. goddamn fed up of it. I you think- know i don't think white people should have a identity as white people but um 
they're the people who are making these debates and we need to find a healthy way to give yeah. them something because yeah. craft dale pineapple on pizza this is all this is not healthy ways they're to get <laughs> they're not tenable this is not the future they're not, yeah we really need to we need to come up with some different identities quickly <laughs> and not have them so there's a scale you know <laughs> oh my god it's all just so everything everything is just so fucking bleak sure it's bleak what's the next gripe <laughs> no, no i'm not done you're not done i'm not, not done. done everything just the mundanity of things yeah every all i've seen recently mm. is mundaneness and it is fucking harrowing to watch and because the the company i work at on we have a message board and uh and not a message board just a way to communicate because mm. we all work at home but that meme culture comes into it. There's a meme yeah. channel on it. Yeah. So it's interesting to see people people flock to it, but it's become its own social media, yeah. even within a workspace What's this? situation. Slack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know Slack? Yeah. yeah. So there's there was a post that someone did about you can get... So this is a workplace... A workplace so, thing. Like communication. Yeah, like but companies. you get these things come through onto it because people are, again, because they're starved of identity of being able to be in an office. So they are, they're starved of not only their identity, but also personal interpersonal relationships. Yeah. So it comes out in torrid social media things mm -hmm. like on what we're seeing on the on the computer and people Compulsive, just pathological. to the most inane Deep. nonsense yep. and i'm fed up of seeing inane nonsense but i wonder i can't so i can't do it anymore so i can't I think, I think before um the pandemic there was certainly and this has been seen a lot there's a sort of like a movement in art which is like people who elevate the prosaic who uh, glorify mm. the mundane that's like seems yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of great artists who their real skill so take a picture of the bollocks or something this, no that's not what i'm talking about well, I'm, talking you are, more, I'm talking more about like plays that really render the feeling of oppression but in a way that's focusing on the very smallest of details of like a normal well, a real street photography life. is a uh, but, like do you know what I mean where it's like yeah, you yeah, take the mundane and comedians do a lot and you make it something special you elevate it yeah, yeah. poetry is um, but maybe there's going to be because I'm, I'm wondering what the kind of next wave but of art's going to be uh, post pandemic when we're mm. out and I wonder if there's going to be a push for grandiosity again do you uh, think there's going to be I think there will be do you think there's going to be uh more asp you know there's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. not aspirational people anymore there's not yeah, like yeah. a push to be there's not like uh because we're so scared of having anyone as being elite or role mm. models we can't have any sort of aspiration i wonder if there's going to be some sort of like inhuman we're, we're not going to be constantly trying to bring down people so that we feel we can relate to them maybe I we can finally have some sort of push for like um a lot aspirational of, a lot of the push standards of the, i think a lot of the kind of the push or the the uh, causes of something a focus on the on grandiosing mundanity mundanity whatever um, mundanity mundanity yeah <laughs> yeah put your water down is we you know we kind of live in we're living in a in a system that that kind of that doesn't really appreciate that as in like the the kind of everything's focused on the more most of the time, as in like before the pandemic, is a lot about there's not a really a strong societal appreciation for individual emotions. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people are getting lost in a system, feeling like they're one, they're meant to be focusing on their individual, but they just feel lost in a herd of numbers and one, 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 rather mm -hmm. than a collectivized system. Yeah. You get a focus on the mundane yeah. because it's about the individual lived experience of an yeah. individual. Whereas 
I think everyone's so fed up with the mundane right now. Because we pushed it to its logical endpoint. Exactly. Because you look, look at the medieval. But also ladies. not just because of the art, but also because of the pandemic. It's true, and it's it's moved. It, part of modernism has been this focus, and it, part of it is brilliant because it's dealing with the reality of everyday life. But if you look at any sort of medieval art, like you look at the Renaissance. The whole point of that is this complete elevation, the divinity yeah. of it. We need to make another tapestry. We need the a next Renaissance. That's the problem when now we've killed God. It's hard to have something fully elevated that's not yeah, unbelievably yeah. problematic. You know, yeah. uh, that is the problem. So we need a new god, to be honest. As and well. but then we we're, we're shitting on celebrities at the same time who are our new gods. But but then but they're not because we brought them down to our mundane level. Exactly. Because no, that's not what I mean. Celebrities. If you look at the glamour era of like the 30s and 40s in Hollywood, you look at Chaplin, Greta Garbo, those kind of people. Where it's when glamour started, like. A celebrity was this ethereal creature that just be, was beyond anyone. There was only five celebrities in the world, but now celebrities don't even exist. They as still these... are. I think they well, still function they, quite they still, godlike they, in our society. St- I don't. I think that's the part of the thing is it's like we're obsessed with them, but we're sort of obsessed with their mundane, their mundaneness, and encourage. But what mundaneness. happens with an obsession of image becomes an obsession with the uncovering of the image behind it. Yeah. So an obsession with the human behind the image. But I definitely and I think don't we've think, strived I think for that, the but I still think the image. of them has gone, partly with the Me Too, cancel culture, stuff like that. The sort of like, you know, I do think the kind of, I don't think it's heading to us more deifying them. I think there's just so many of them, they, but they're not even special anymore. Can I ask a question very quickly? Right, if you're thinking of a celebrity, who's the first person that comes to your mind? Ariana Grande. Is it? Yeah, what about you? Leo DiCaprio. For Leo me, DiCaprio. it's always Leo DiCaprio, okay. and it can never be anyone well, other than Leo DiCaprio. I don't know if that's the first, that's the first person I was thinking of then. Do you know? I don't know. Like, if, I don't know if you need to ask but when me. You think you need about, to ask me when we went and had this conversation because I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. but who do you, uh, who do you think it would be? Brad Pitt, Leo. You know, yeah, that's why I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that they got those two so, just like and kind just, of three. Margot is Margot. Yeah, but <clears throat> she's still up and coming. Still up she's and coming, not but like, but still relatively. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're the because and the reason why they stood out is because yeah. they're the last two were like still at their sort of prime. You know, they're still in their working age. They're not. It's not like when yeah. you wheel out Harrison Ford. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, Oh, it's yeah. fun that he's reprising those old roles. They still got. They're still on. like making new stuff. They still they're, got the last the kind of. They're probably which was interesting about a film about Hollywood. They're sort of the last two proper Hollywood stars who have that because the new stars you you don't have Hollywood stars in the same way and they still Matt represent. Damon's like the guy on the subs bench. He's on the subs bench for sure, but then he's got there's too much. Ben Affleck's just a cunt now. Ben, he's a cunt, you know. Yeah. Um, but, well, do, you, should we, do you want to wrap it up? Or we could do the second gripe, which is we, which weirdly is related to what we're talking go on, about. Go it's Jared Leto. Is he your gripe? He's my gripe. Yeah, he's unbelievably annoying. I'm so, like, I don't, I, this this is an old gripe, but just because I was trying to think of gripes and saw him come up on a feed. Yeah. He posted a t-shirt of him wearing a uh, where he posted a picture of him wearing a t-shirt saying we live in a society. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's one of the worst dudes. Um, that's every no, but that's that encapsulizes everything he does. Mm-hmm. Is a picture on Instagram of him wearing a t-shirt saying we live in a society. I think it was for a charity. Fine. He's like um, he's one of the shittest polymaths out there because he's one of the um, interesting things about him is that he's also losing a thirty seconds. I used to I used to admire the fuck out of him because you do when you find out that someone has succeeded individually in more than one field. It's astounding, yeah. But then when they do shit in all of those fields, like Jared Leto had, he was really good in Dallas Buyers Club. 
And then from then, he rode that wave to tricking everyone to thinking that, oh, he's good, so yeah, I think yeah. he's good. You look back and he says, I watched him in Blade Runner 2049. I've watched that recently. Terrible. Awful in oh, that. Oh, horrendous. He, he's so bad he's in awful. every film. That, yeah. he's, he, obviously, he's awful as the Joker, but everyone, um, we, we all, all know that. that. Um, but he's just so annoying because he feels... I see when he's acting, and as we said with like the um, Steve Buscemi screaming, not only is he screaming, I'm Jared Leto, but he's also got this, which is a problem that is one of my pet peeves with all actors, is I can't get on board with someone when it feels like you can feel them going, this is great acting right now. And that's all he does. I am but destroying that's all this scene right now. And you can tell that when he finishes, he's like, ooh. Someone give me an ice pack because I need to cool down. Oof. That's, he felt that's really he good after that day and, and you that, just tell and that bleeds over into his Instagram and everything yeah. all of his social but media but then the problem with, with giving that. actors a social media is that these these are people who are athletes they're craftsmen they're often fairly brain dead when you get underneath it who their skill is trying to inhabit someone else once you give them a voice he shouldn't be brain dead though because he's also the the lead singer songwriter of 30 seconds to Mars it's true but who aren't good anymore but they had they their had day. like two songs Don't Break had, like, me songs. down. They had like two songs. Bury me, bury me. That's a good tune. Um, Feel but, like it really captured. But this you don't want to give actors a voice because it's always disappointing because they're collectively some of the most boring people on the planet. Yeah, you know we've there seen are obviously Ar- exceptions. Ar- Ar- Army Hammer, yeah, loads of exceptions. Army Hammer, I, I, I think Brad Pitt would be pretty cool dude, to hang out with. That. I'm a big fan of Brad. I'm a big Brad fan too. Um, if you're going for that top level, Brad, I think Leo would try to have inappropriate sex with me. Well, Leo, everyone's been giving Leo a lot of shit, um, and maybe rightfully because of well, the younger women. But I still I rate him a lot. I still like him. I mean, one thing he does act hard. He I is, haven't he, heard you know Bra- at least him that much at least yet. with Brad it's, it's coming. Is the it? wave's coming. Yeah, and I, I know it's a lot of people saying they're really unattractive to because him because it's because people have seen enough of him now. Is they seen enough of him? Yeah, but also he doesn't act very regularly. But when he does, it's a big thing. I don't and know he if, fucking smashes it. He does smash it. I, the one thing which I like about Brad Pitt and Ryan Gosling is that they're so subtle and they, they yeah. play it so small. Leo, in every single role he does, he will end up smashing someone well, up, screaming. One of the best performances I've seen is Ryan Gosling and the Nice Guys. Amazing. So he good. is fucking hilarious. He's great. Unbelievably like, hilarious. In in at the height of when Vice. The uh, Facebook, uh, Vice Internet magazine mm. was at their worst, even though I'm subscribed, so they probably are awful. Remember when Vice started being this really cool, uh, we're gonna go down, we're gonna work in ISIS, and like being like the most like radical video journalist, and then they became like the shittest journalist site ever. They did one of those awful things, including we should give black people sleep reparations, was one of their worst ones. Sleep reparations, uh, we should get basically because. Someone they, they published an article about with this like student uh, who studies race relations and she was saying that because of the sleep that um, her ancestors had been starved from uh, during slavery that now they shouldn't give like black people like an hour to sleep in or like find ways to give them back more time because she's like and she spoke about it almost poetically like I feel the tiredness in my bones I'm like look to be honest we're all tired it's called existence do you know what I mean and what's hilarious about reading what that, that that kind of argument is 
a bit of a travesty because it's a pretty tough argument to talk about reparations in general about different yeah. generations. Hey, I, I like reparations. No, exactly, I, I mean, but it's I, a different. It's a difficult sleep argument. You can fuck off. <laughs> exactly, but it's a tough. It's a difficult argument for some people to understand about having kind of reparations for previous generations about even financially. Financially, you know? yeah, so which has about, a logical argument. Which has a logical argument yeah. because of the the depreciated position. Completely, that completely makes society. sense to me. When you're saying you're tired. <laughs> when you're tired. But the worst thing is when I read it, I it was like- It just doesn't help. The it's reason worse why, for the cause. But also, if I was black, I, I can imagine reading that and thinking, I'm tired. And immediately that link's made. Yeah. That's why well, I'm tired. Well, if anyone said anyone- We're all tired. Yeah. We're all tired. Well, if anyone said like Irish people are tired, I'd be like, you know <laughs> what? Actually, <laughs> actually, yeah, you know, I am. If I am, someone I writes a it. thing about your specific group saying there's a reason you have a bad back, you will immediately go like, that makes sense. Not yeah. that all humans have bad backs. Um, but their one was the most annoying Vice article I've ever read, which is like, Ryan Gosling is overrated. What? Yeah. So there was just one Vice article that I yeah. saw the other day. That was Ryan Gosling is overrated. Here's the only five types of character he plays. Fuck off. Five? Fuck off. Five? Yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's a bad. For a leading man, yeah. that's a great... It was the dumbest article. And they went into detail about Ryan Gosling is only one of these five different guys. And it was... a. They were just yeah, talking yeah. about his immense range while talking about his lack of range. Yeah. Because if you're at that level of Hollywood star, you play one character, maybe two. And yeah. they explained, it was so dumb. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Ryan Gosling. Me and too. And also, what I hope for Leo after seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, is, which I hope he's going to start now that he's lost, his looks are starting to go a bit. They're, yeah. go they're going, which Brad has, he's, he's gone into them. Yeah. Leo, if you take a photo of Leo with flash camera, it's not good. It's not good. Brad's gorgeous. Brad is going to, he's aged like a fine because, wine. Because he's more Brad's, gorgeous. Because Brad from the outset was your more masculine kind of uh, heavy, not not a heavy man, but you're more like your dirty masculine man, whereas yeah. Leo was a pretty boy. More masculine than look, the better it ages. The exactly, more effeminate yeah. uh, things, it's like a quite chorus boy. Exactly, but then yeah. what I thought was good about his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that it was really funny. Pretty Boys always seems to get a lot of chin later yeah, on. The, yeah. yeah. Um, is that I hope he goes into more comedy roles because that was the first time I'd seen him be funny like properly. He was, he was hilarious. Hysterical. In that film. Hysterical. So I hope that in the uh, future he kind of like much like Bill Cohen did in the... <laughs> <laughs> Like much like Andrew's dad did in the um, Amdram Society of Burgess Hill. Yeah. Once his looks started to go, yeah. he started playing the more comedy roles. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I as want in, for Leo. What, what you've got to do as much in as Amdram is a metaphor of life as it always is. Um, once is it's about going old with grace. <laughs> It's about aging with grace, and it's because you can see the Leo and the Brads. You can see the Brad Pitt, who's who's yeah. going from the leading man as Bill Cohen was back in the musical theatre days, and then slowly transitioning into the comedy man. It's like um, who played the Fonz? What's his name? Um, uh, why is, is not fucking um, is white hair? Yeah, white hair. Is he in Curb Your Enthusiasm? Uh, no, that's. That's he's other, not Larry David. David. No, no, not Larry David. When I was funny too. Oh, what's it? Why am I so bad with names? It's hold on, Fonz. I'm just gonna type Fonz. We're gonna be able to get this nice and quickly. I've accidentally typed in Find. Fonz. It is Henry Winkler. Okay. Yeah. Henry Winkler. Yeah. Has done that the most astonishingly well okay, of going go from the Fonz, the cool guy, the sexy, attractive sure. guy. The guy didn't age well. 
Sure. Then he just became a comedy character. He became the butt of the joke. He came from the setup to the butt of the joke, and that is the only way to do you've it. You've got to know, as an actor, unlike being a writer, you've or a creator of some sort, you've got to know that you are at the whims of what vibe you give off. And but if your vibe starts also, doing, if you start giving off some stanky vibes, you've got to lean into. But that, that is also the metaphor for life in general. It's true. Aging with grace in the age of plastic surgery. Yeah is about aging with grace and actually be being a more attractive older person. One thing I'll say is that, that, that I think that is a, a, a tiny bit naive in, in the sense that there is people with an expensive enough plastic surgery that you're like, they look natural. That's just because they've got good plastic surgery. I think anyone, I personally believe, <coughs> well, this is partly what BB's told me, <coughs> it seems like anyone at that level has got a lot of shit done. It's just- Do you think anyone? But also I'm, I'm, I'm talking about much. for the average Joe here. I, mean, I, don't, I can't imagine Clint Eastwood getting- I'm talking about Bill Kerwin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we've crossed wires here. Okay, sorry. Is that my father yeah, did not, got, he was got, not the leading man. Fillers. He was not the leading man in My Fair Lady to then fill his <laughs> cheeks with plastic. <laughs> My father went on and he went to be the dame in the pantomime series. I don't know, whatever, Cinderella or whatever the fuck he did. But yeah, I think the message from that is go old with grace and stop trying to be attractive, become funny. And maybe you can achieve both at the same time. Okay, and we've done our time. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to the page. Way up! Way up!